0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, Merry Christmas. I know our days are all messed up. But we're not confused and we're not in denial. It is still Christmas. Uh, Even though Christmas morning is over, our celebrations are not. They continue for 12 days. And and actually, the three days immediately following Christmas have their own special celebrations. In fact, they're more birthdays. Although of a different sort, they're heavenly birthdays. See, more important than your, your first birthday is your entrance into heaven your heavenly birth, uh, your your death, which really is the beginning of true life. December 26th was the Feast of Stephen, who was uh, what the church calls a martyr by will and deed, meaning that he was willing to die for the faith and actually did. On December 27th, today, the Feast of St. John, John was a martyr in will but not in deed, meaning that he was willing to die for the faith but wasn't uh, permitted that fate. Uh, Tomorrow is the Feast of Holy Infants, uh, which the church calls martyrs in deed, though not in will, meaning that their deaths are a disquieting reminder that suffering on behalf of Christ is not always restricted to those who actually have a choice in the matter. But today is John. John, not to be confused with John the Baptist, was also the brother of James, and he was an apostle of Jesus, meaning he was one of the twelve specifically called by Jesus to follow him. And he was also an evangelist, meaning he wrote one of the four gospels of Jesus, the gospel according to John. In addition, he wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. And significantly, in the book of John, he never actually mentions his own name. Rather, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, or the beloved disciple. Now, this building, at least many of you know this, was founded as St. John Lutheran Church until that congregation moved to another building. But you can see a remnant of it here in the letters in front, the Alpha and the Omega uh, on top of the shields. Uh, those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's what John called Jesus in the book of Revelation. And that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, is very fitting for today, just a few days after Christmas. Because at Christmas, we understand that Jesus, the begotten of the Father from eternity, who created all things, uh, that he's the beginning, but he's also the end, he's the Omega. He's God with us, not only at the start of our life, but at the end of our lives, and all the way through. He is the the one who is, who was, and who is coming, the Almighty. St. John is the chief example of Jesus' continued presence, and the source, and the end of our lives. It may be helpful to to get a a general picture of St. John's life. Now, there's some disagreement among theologians over the exact dates and timelines and things, but I think this is pretty close. When John is called as an apostle, traditionally it's assumed that he was uh, the youngest. It's likely that he, along with St. Andrew, were both disciples of John the Baptist before Jesus called them both to follow him. Three years later, Jesus is crucified, and John is the only one the only disciple who stayed by Jesus' side the entire time and is present at the crucifixion. All the others have fled. Three days later, again being likely the youngest, when Jesus rises from the dead, John makes a big deal in his gospel about how he was uh, apparently in better shape than Peter, and he beat Peter uh, to the empty tomb. This is all in the early 30s A.D. Fast forward 60 years. The year is 95 A.D. Most, if not all, the disciples uh, except John have been martyred or killed for their faith. We know for sure Peter was because that's what Jesus says in the verse preceding our gospel lesson for today. All the books of the New Testament except those written by John have already been written and are being circulated widely. John is exiled to the island of Patmos by the Emperor Domitian, and it's there he receives a revelation from God and writes what we know as the book of Revelation. Then, under Emperor Nerva, John is allowed to return to Ephesus in 96 AD, where he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John to Christians who are scattered and isolated and are terrified because Christians all around them are being killed. And John continued preaching uh, even as a very old man. But according to tradition, uh, he was so old by this time, he could barely see and he couldn't walk. So his, his disciples had to carry him into church and carry him into the pulpit. And two years later, while Trajan is emperor in 98 AD, John writes the Gospel of John and dies of natural causes, old age, the only apostle, as far as we know, to be permitted such a death. This is why the Gospel of John is so different from the rest of the Gospels. It's why John's Christmas story is so different from from Matthew's or Luke's. The Gospel of John seems to be dependent on the rest of the New Testament. John gives a a fuller, richer account of of Christ that the other other, uh, uh, Gospels and, and books, epistles don't. And without even maybe thinking about it, You know this already, uh, because I bet all of you know more verses from the Gospel of John than any other book. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And I can go on and on. Why is this? John is writing from the fullness of life and experience. And he's dependent on and trusts the work of his fellow apostles and evangelists. And he builds on what has already been written. And he's free to go deeper into the implications of what all this means. and What it means for you. And John himself seems to confirm a lot of this in the last few books of his gospel, which we read today, where Jesus actually gives a prophecy that the disciples misunderstand to mean that that John would never die. But John himself, uh, having lived a long time, actually ends up correcting them, and he says, yet Jesus did not say he would not die, but rather, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And this, teaches us two things. First, it teaches us that Christ will return at the right time for each one of us. If you're going to die, you're going to die. Whether it be by COVID, martyrdom, or getting hit by a bus. So be safe, don't don't step in front of a bus, don't go licking doorknobs, but don't worry about your death. Christ will return, you will die at the right time. But in the meantime, Christ is with you in his word. And as John says when he tells the purpose of revelation, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and hold on to the things written in it because the time is near. Whatever is going on, whatever is happening, whether you're being persecuted, suffering a plague, or enjoying a time of peace, we are to hear and hold on to Christ and his word. To put it figuratively, we are to lean against Jesus, lean on the breast of Jesus, as John did. Second, what John records about Jesus saying, if I want him to remain, what is that to you? it teaches us that we are not to compare ourselves to others. You know, our our mothers taught us this, but but sometimes we need a reminder. The point is that no one is spared from hardship. Crosses are custom made. We are always tempted to to look at others and and see that that they have it easy and we have it hard. This is what Peter and the disciples were doing. (laughs) Jesus had told Peter that he would be tortured and killed for his faith. And then Peter looks at John and says, Lord, what about him? Why does not he get tortured and killed? Why me? Is it because you love him more than me? We feel this way too, all the time. But this is a childish way of thinking, and we need to repent and resist when we feel this way. Just because I suffer doesn't mean... uh, I should wish wish suffering on someone else. and In fact, everyone is suffering. We shouldn't think someone is not suffering. Each person is suffering, each in their own way. John's suffering is unique to John and uniquely painful for John. It's possible that if Peter would suffer the way John would suffer or or die the way John died, it's possible that Peter would have been hurt more and lost his faith. Both Peter and John suffer in the way that is right for them and by God's working is good for them uniquely because it brings them to a greater reliance on Jesus and and at the end of their life, no matter how that comes, he will grant them a blessed end to be with himself. God loves you uniquely. It doesn't mean that he loves you more or less than somebody else, but that he loves you in the way that is right for you, the way that you need. Sometimes it can seem like a tough love. Jesus promised to Peter of a death like his, and to James and John of a life of immense suffering, seems pretty tough. But it is loving. It is a knowing and deliberate love. After all, Jesus told Peter to follow me. He didn't say, follow someone else if they've got it better. Leave your marriage if it's hard. Abandon your kids if they're unruly. But rather, take up your cross and follow me. Eventually, just as God's ultimate glory was shown in Jesus' cross, God would also be glorified in both Peter's death and John's. Luther, in his sermon for St. John's Day, has this awesome advice. He said, Every Christian must follow Christ in the station in which Christ has called him, and in the paths which are given and ordained by God. We should not be troubled or worry about any of that, but only believe. He will surely lay your cross upon you. Do not worry as to what sort of cross it will be, whether it be like Peter's or John's. Leave that for him. Let him worry about it for you. Crosses are never easy. Remember that even Jesus, as true man, prayed for an end to his suffering. With his bloody sweat, he prayed for another way that if it were possible the Father would take his suffering and death away from him. So we learn to pray too. We pray for an end to the pandemic. We pray for an end to our individual crosses and our individual sufferings. But we learn too that in praying for these things, that what we are really praying for is for Jesus to come again. And at the end of our lives, whether we live a long time or not, that God would give us a blessed end and take us to be with himself who is the beginning and the end. John closes his gospel with this unique phrase. I suppose the world itself would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the only time that John refers to himself in the first person. Every other time, John had, had, had said Uh, that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved, even as he was permitted by Jesus to to suffer and bear his crosses. John consistently uses the the, the phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's very humble. But here you can imagine John as an old man uh, saying that he has finally learned, or or is learning, that, that maybe the Lord actually does know what he is doing even with all the hardship he has seen, even being prisoner on an island, even suffering at the hands of multiple unjust emperors, even with all his friends being martyred for their faith, yet he can do nothing but praise God. And he said just a bit earlier that this was the purpose of him writing the Gospel of John. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Take it from John, who had a pretty full life. There's a truer life in Jesus. Jesus, the one who gave himself in the most humble beginning as a baby in a manger and suffered the worst end as as a condemned criminal on the cross, promises you life in His name. This life is not yours by what you do. This life is not yours because of your experiences. It is not yours because of your age. It is not yours because of how much or little God has given you to suffer. It's not yours because you've been able to make a name for yourself in this life. Rather, because like John, Jesus has brought you into His name and into his life. By water and the word, no matter what you experience, you can call yourself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name. Amen.